0: Oh, 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 oh,
1: welcome you to Crown Corner on WFNZ's Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch, as well as YouTube. We hope you enjoyed the game last weekend, and I tell you what, Jess, one of the things that I absolutely loved is seeing the reaction of the fans after that 3-1 win over New England. I, I tell you, man, it was so much fun to see what Uptown was like after that game, but also throughout the 90 minutes of that match that had the supporters going from the word go
0: there's something really special about soccer in charlotte about the bank for america stadium about charlotte fc and for the crown twitter i mean people were saying they were going to be unbearable but it was a beautiful unbearable i have loved all the reactions all the positivity we knew these fans were loyal we knew these fans believed in the club by the way that they really stayed strong through three very difficult matches and very difficult situations and we all got that win that we deserved. And, Will, let's be honest, how much nicer was the post-game show oh, on FNZ much. and the Charlotte Radio <laughs> Network? It's so different doing it for a victory versus um, hard losses, we'll call them.
1: Yeah, and, and I do feel like a lot of what we saw happen throughout the match was a personification of just the growth of this club. You know, we saw the big adjustment made by Miguel on Angel Ramirez at the beginning to uh, have him use two strikers at the top. We spent a lot of time in the build-up uh, talking about it. We kind of saw a little bit of the tinkering from Miguel in training this past week and really seeing the the maturation of you know how to find offense. We talked about it in the build-up to the contest, and it paid off once again like it was at halftime of the Atlanta game. He pushed the right buttons, and it paid off.
0: Look, I know I sound like a broken record, always talking about what a smart manager he is. But there's no words to explain how intelligent he is, how flexible he is. There are managers that are very rigid in the way they want to play. Miguel Angel Ramirez notices what's going wrong. He is willing to admit, okay, maybe this didn't work as well as it could. And he can adjust. And adding that second striker will made the world of difference. And we've talked about Karol Swiderski so much. We've talked about the fact he got two goals, a a hockey-style assist, the fact that he came to life. But a lot of the reason he came to life in this match was because of the work off the ball that players like Rios and Bender were doing to create space, to allow him the freedom to roam across the pitch. And that is where Miguel Herrera Ramirez is a very smart manager. He appreciates not just the on-the-ball movements, but how much off the ball can impact the player that is in possession of the ball.
1: We know you guys uh, who are in the stadium uh, want to hear this part of our podcast every week. If you were listening to us on WFNZ, you obviously know what's coming up next. This is our highlight montage from the first win in Charlotte FC club history.
2: We are underway with Charlotte FC and New England. Bronco, middle of the arc for Tudorsky. Tudorsky is shot! Goal!
0: take a shot from that distance the look wasn't there, not from my point of view, but Carol Swiderski had other ideas
2: into the area headed by Swiderski, a save made by Earl Edwards,
0: fantastic ball from Alcivar,
2: corner into the area, looking back post for Alcivar save Kalina, oh what a save Alcivar approaches high kick, back post ahead, over the crossbar took his man down Looked like it was a penalty given. Ball to the spot. Heel approaching with the left foot. A shot, goal. A lava for Rios. A head, couldn't get a clean foot on it. Brender for, for Svidarski, a shot, goal Carol Spiderski gets it back, and that is justice! Off of the boot. Cross in by by looking back. Post a shot. St.
0: Pelina. Oh, that's the best one yet. There are not enough superlatives for the ability of Christian Palina.
2: Ball played by Alcibar. Alcibar played forward. 1v1. Alcibar 1v1 with the keeper. Alcibar has Bender with him. Alcibar, a pass for Fender. Fender a shot! Yeah! Charlotte FC with its first win in club history, 3-1 over New England Revolution.
1: (laughs) And that was how it sounded on not only WFNZ, but the Charlotte FC Radio Network. And as we found out uh, organically through a couple of people on uh, Twitter, uh, on Sirius XM, for those of you who are not in the Charlotte area, you can pick up our broadcast for Saturday's home contest against Cincinnati and the next home contest against Atlanta on Sirius XM, the Sirius XM FC Channel 157 uh, will have the broadcast for that. Of course, you can also pick it up on our flagship station, WFNZ, on their app as well as online on their website. But uh, a great, great victory, Jess. And I also feel like, too, you could just hear the crowd. It, it just it hits different. The thing that I loved is that even though there wasn't 75,000 in the building, it had that same vibe, that same feeling with the 29,000-plus that were in the building on Saturday.
0: Look, 29,000-plus quality fans that wanted to sing their hearts out the entire match we feed off that energy as well. Well, let's be honest, listening back to that call, I can do nothing but smile because you can see how we're feeding off the energy, how positive it is, how encouraged we are. And that second goal, I just couldn't stop laughing. And let me just preface why, because Will was dangling. You may have seen the feature of the (laughs) Ben Bender goal. I wish they had got the second Swiderski goal because Will was dangling out of the window, doing the willy shimmy as, as it will now forever be known, the willy shimmy. And, and I couldn't stop laughing, but it was—I managed to get the words out. That's the ultimate professional.
1: That's funny. That was, that was very good. And uh, with regards to the match itself, head coach Miguel Angel Ramirez speaking about how it had been a real slog to try and get through to that first victory, but nights like Saturday night are why we play and why we watch and why we coach this game.
3: We pay the price for for nights like tonight. To to. Uh enjoy playing football, this football that we play. Goals, you know, celebrations, fans. So, I mean, we really deserve it. We really deserve it because of the work that we are doing, because the way that we are playing, uh, because being very new, very babies, uh, and very far from these giants, these big clubs, uh, we are reducing the the gap, the distance between us and them, how, how we are playing, we are reducing this gap.
0: And it's so true. Reducing the gap between the experience and perhaps the youth of Charlotte FC and the progress. We mentioned that word so many times, and we've mentioned it every single week on this pro and uh, on this podcast. The progress from what we saw in Charleston during preseason it is unimaginable to now. We thought there was going to be improvements. We kept emphasizing that it's a long season. I don't know if we expect to see such a leap in the ability and the confidence in the togetherness of this side in just four matches. And that's a testimony to the work ethic of the players. It's a testimony to the coaching staff. And most importantly, it's a testimony to the fans because they are the unsung heroes that just add that extra oomph behind the players when it comes to game day and i love the interactions between fans and between the players and the coaching staff
1: you can follow us on twitter uh, i'm at willie p style uh, jess is at at jess talks Footy. and you can find us also at wfnz on facebook twitter instagram as well uh if you look at the the stats it, it really looked like a game that Charlotte FC dominated at the beginning, but when you think about the way that they played throughout the rest of the contest, you know, New England kind of came back to, you know, really take some of the possession in that second half, they ended up winning it overall, but that's why that stat is so uh, misleading at times because you can have, you know, less of the possession and get three goals like Charlotte that the quality of Charlotte's possession, I feel like was something that really dominated this contest, especially early And also in the early part of that second half, especially after they got that second goal.
0: Look, there were phases where Charlotte FC dominated and it felt like New England Revolution didn't touch the ball. Coming out of the halftime break, New England really brought the game to Charlotte FC. But what Charlotte did well is they handled that pressure. They dealt with the shots opportunities. You see 18 shots for New England Revolution, only five on target. The reason for that was because of the quality of the defending, the patience of the defending, standing up and forcing these players that they didn't have the option, but to take long rips from range that were never going to test a goalkeeper of Christian Kalina's ability. On the flip side, Charlotte FC created 15 opportunities. Yes, only five on target, which is something, again, we'll look at needing to be more clinical. But when you get three goals from five shots on target, what that tells you is, when you got the ball on target, those shots were unstoppable. And that's what we use to describe some of these finishes. They were unstoppable finishes. And I hate to say that we told people, but what was the <laughs> words we said when the first goal came? We said the floodgates Floodgate. would open. Exactly. And that's how it felt on Saturday. And I'm really hoping and feeling confident that we can bring that confidence in against Cincinnati on Saturday.
1: And I'm happy that we saw Carol svidersky get Two of those goals, especially one on his first touch, and he spoke about how that really kind of took the pressure off him as being this side's first designated player.
4: I know this first two games was I, I play really bad, you know, and uh, I don't create so many opportunities. But today, yes, today we we deserve for like like the team to to take these three points.
0: And how refreshing to hear a player admit that they didn't think they fulfilled the caliber of the player they are. I find that very refreshing, the honesty, and that's something that seems to stream throughout this Charlotte FC side, to put your hands up when you're not doing as well as you can. But the fans in the stadium, the fans that watch, the fans that listen, got to see Karas Swiderski and what he's made of. I've been very critical of some of the articles that have been written in the press that have labeled him a, a, as a target forward, as a as a goal poacher. That That's not what Karol Swiderski is. He is mm-hmm. someone that we've seen And we saw in particular in the weekend past, enjoys being involved in the link-up play. He doesn't just want to hang around the 18-yard box waiting to pick up scrappings. He wants to be involved in the action. And again, I have to single out Rios. There were some people that were critical of Rios because he didn't get as much time on the ball. But it was the work ethic that he put in off the ball and the selflessness of making those runs Without much credit, you're not going to get very much credit for making those runs, but you have opened up opportunities for your teammates to shine and your team to pick up the win.
1: Yeah, just his presence on the pitch draws defenders his way because you have to account for him. And that defense shading towards him means that there's one less guy to account for Svidersky. And that's because of the fact that he was founding finding himself open. You know, he had a great clinical individual effort for that first goal, and then that second goal very much for uh created off a little bit of a busted play. Uh, But one of the things about that second goal was that it showed a very nice response from Charlotte FC. It could have gone one or two ways. We spoke about it a lot on the broadcast after Carlos Hill's drawn penalty uh, from Christian Kalina in the 54th minute. It was three minutes later that they got the goal back to go up to one And Miguel Angel Ramirez said that's just part of the mentality of this club.
3: Trying to not think in the score. Myself also. eh? So, Miguel, what are you thinking now, and how you can help the players? So, what is the message that my players need right now, right here? So, is 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 the best way to be present, you know, and not thinking, because finally the score is at the end; it's after ninety minutes. So you can think in the score, but I believe that they manage really, really, really well.
0: And responding to adversity is something that Charlotte FC's had to deal with, and it felt like we got the just rewards that we picked up three points at the end.
1: Not only that, but they were named both Carol Swiderski and Miguel Angel Ramirez uh, part of the team of the week and the coach of the week from MLS. So cool honor for both of those guys, but also a real cool night for Ben Bender, who not only scored his first goal as a professional in MLS, but got his first assist on that second goal of Swiderski's. He is, as Jess termed him, the man of the moment when it comes to Charlotte FC, and we have a chance to join him, or he has a chance to join us, as we go inside the training ground.
5: Here on Crown
1: Corner, it's time to go onto the training ground and bring in a guy who has really captivated the minds and the fans of Charlotte FC. It's Ben Bender, the number one overall draft pick. He joins us on Crown Corner off of his first ever MLS goal last week and also had an assist on Carol Svedersky's second part of the brace. He joins us on Crown Corner. Ben, how are you, pal?
4: I'm doing great. Thanks for having
1: me. So I'm, I made the reference on the broadcast in your first goal where I said crab cakes and soccer, that's what Maryland does. Is that something that resonates with you? I know that movie's a little bit dated from a from high standpoint generationally. But well, if I say crab cakes and football, that's what Maryland does. Do you get that reference, or is that is that over your head?
4: Um, it is kind of over my head. But when you say crab cakes, that's the only place I'll ever eat a crab cake is Maryland. <laughs> if you go, people are, they'll ask you to have a crab cake with them. If it's outside of Maryland, I'm not doing it. Maryland's the only good crab cakes. <laughs> it's different. It it's different. That's what resonates with me.
1: That's hilarious. Well, if you ever watch Wedding Crashers, you'll you'll get that reference. Okay.
0: Don't worry. I, I also didn't really know the reference. So when Will said it and he was so proud of himself, I was like, ah, I don't really know what it is, but great, cool. Everybody loved it. Something we all loved was your karate kick celebration. I know that's something that's come through your college career as well. Where did that first begin for you?
4: Um. You know, after my first goal, um, my sophomore season at Maryland, it was just an instinct. It was it was weird. Like, I I just got really excited and went to the corner flag and, and just kicked it. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to keep doing it. And then um, one of my teammates from my freshman year texted me and he said, you better keep kicking the, the flag. And he said he wanted to see me kick the flags in Charlotte. So I told him I'd do it.
0: Hey, he got to see it. And I think the club has like used that little graphic a hundred times. They're going to keep sending it out. So you're pretty famous for the karate kick.
4: That's fine.
1: In terms of the goal itself, Ben, um, what did you see on the goal? I know that, you know, Yordi was played forward on that. And it was really, really yeah. cool to see him trust you on that play. I know you guys haven't seen a lot of time on the pitch together, but what yeah. did it mean for you to have him trust you in that, in that effort?
4: Um, so, yeah, the, the buildup was really, really good. Um, I think the ball got played to Danny, and he held it up really well, played a quick ball to Jordy, and then Jordy and uh, Carol linked up. And Jordy, with his pace, he was able to get in behind the defenders, and he kind of muscled their center back off. And um, at first I didn't think he was going to pass it across, and I was screaming for it. Um, but then actually today in practice he said, you were free. He said, solo, you were, you were solo. So like, it was, it was just a great moment for us.
0: I definitely complimented him on the selflessness in that moment to find you with the assist, but it took a lot of composure on your part, right? There's nothing quite as nervous as an open goal. What was going through your head as you saw that ball sort of bobbling a little bit towards you?
4: Yeah. Uh, Once I saw it come across, I kind of took a look at where the goalkeeper was and I saw that he hadn't really moved across quick enough. And then the, de- the defender looked like he was expecting me to redirect it. So I just tried to put it um, closer to, the, to my side of the goal where it was open. And it went in. So it was good.
1: I remember one of the first conversations we had with you uh, right after you got drafted is you made the comparison to Chavi, And that's when I knew right away that you were not only a true soccer junkie, but but you had a real appreciation for the game. What more, I guess, can you tell us about what you admire about his game and also how you've implemented parts of that into your own?
4: Um, I just really admire the way he thinks about the game. And the little details um, really add up. And I think you can see that um, in the way he plays and the way he coaches and um, just a little details about trying to to take the best space um, because he was he was one of the guys that didn't really have like the best athleticism so he had to think outside the box and you know make do with what he had um, so I think that's something that I guess I compare to him you know I'm I'm you know bigger and stronger probably but I wouldn't say I'm like faster than other players so that's something that I try to do in my game I try and um, outsmart the opponent and um, take every corner I can get to my advantage
0: and obviously you're still pretty new to his leadership but how do you feel about Miguel and how Ramirez and also the fact that he's trusting in you in your rookie season
4: Miguel's amazing Um, he's He's such an incredible coach. He's um, so passionate. You can see it um, on the sideline when he coaches. Um, he invests in the lives of, of every one of his players, every one of the staff. Um, and it's just been so incredible that I've been able to to come here right from college. And, and he's given me a couple chances early on. And I'm, I'm super thankful for that. And, you know, I want to keep going and, and keep building that relationship with him. And I think it's, it's super special, all the relationships that he, he has with, with the guys.
0: And how do you feel about his system in particular? Are you enjoying playing in it? I know a lot of the players have said it's taken some time to learn. Is it something you feel very comfortable in?
4: Yeah, it's something that I really, really like. Um, It's, it's not like just running just a run. Like, You go to a certain position, you make a certain movement with an idea behind it. And sometimes you make a movement and you're opening up space for someone else. And that's something that I did in the game um, against New England this past weekend. Some of the movements I made were to free up and make a 1v1 in in a more dangerous position. And that's something that I would have never thought about growing up. And it's just goes back to the little details and um, every, everything matters at this level. And he does a great job at explaining it.
1: One of the things I think, Ben, that's the most evident about the way he manages is that he's very good at putting guys in positions that are most advantageous. But I even feel like with you, he's had you in different areas. Like he's had you as, a, as an attacking midfielder. He's had you kind of settle at times. He's had you play – more closer to the center. I mean, there have been different roles even in the middle of games that he has you change at. So what is it like kind of learning all these different spots on the field that you might not have played, say at other Maryland or in your past?
4: Yeah, it's uh, sometimes it's, it's nerve wracking because, you know, at this level, everyone's so good and you don't want to turn the ball over. And, you know, if, if I make a mistake in a certain spot, then it could lead to a goal. But, he puts you in those different positions to make you excel and so if you saw in the the game um there was just a little detail that he changed for my positioning in the second half and we were able to to come out of the back a little bit better um and and yeah he 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 helped me through that so i i've been enjoying it it's it's something new to me um but yeah i want to keep learning and and you know getting into those different spaces that he tells me to go.
0: Now you've mentioned a little bit about Maryland and your past in NCAA. What were some of the biggest adjustments coming in from the collegiate level and then getting thrown in the deep end in MLS and professional soccer?
4: Um probably the speed of play and the strength of everyone at the MLS. The first couple of weeks and and first month of preseason was I would say I was adjusting pretty well, but everything was just moving a hundred miles an hour and I just wasn't used to how much pressure like you see a space in the lower levels and then here it just gets closed so much faster. And you're like, what just happened like that? (laughs) I just took a look and, and it looked wide open, but then it just got closed down. So like, you really have to be on your game every every minute and so that was probably the speed of play was the biggest thing for the first month
1: i don't want to give up any trade secrets by asked this question so i'm going to ask it very carefully how are you so comfortable striking with both feet because i think there are times where even we're sitting up there and guessing in the booth which foots are yeah. more dominant i think i have an idea which one is but i'll just ask you just this way what has made you so comfortable uh, attacking with both feet?
4: Um, I'd say it was growing up my, I had a, so my dad coached me all growing up and he always taught me to use both feet, but another coach of mine, Barry Stitz, um, every, every single training he would force us to go with, with both feet attacking. And, and that was one thing that he really got on us for, um, growing up. Like if, If the opportunity came where you could use your weak foot, but you tried to put it back on your your dominant foot and you got closed down and you messed up, then he would he would really get on us for that. So (laughs) I kind of learned from a a young age to use both feet. Um, And so, yeah, I'm I'm really thankful for that because it's it definitely um, helps me out at this level.
0: And you mentioned one coach that's had a big influence on you. You also mentioned your dad. Is there anyone else that you think is credited for this rise to success that you've had?
4: Um, yeah, my definitely my brothers. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I definitely love both my brothers the same, but they've, they've had a different <laughs> impact on me. One of them used to beat me up when I was younger, um, <laughs> but it was tough love. Uh, and then the other, no, I'm just kidding. But um, both... But, <laughs> Both brothers, um, you know, we, we would go out and train all the time. We would work on both feet and we, we pretty much spent a lot of our time on the field and, and training and getting better. Um, so yeah, definitely both my
1: brothers. I, I know you had your folks with you in DC. Did they, have they made it down to Charlotte for either the home games or, or to Atlanta for the, uh, for the third game?
4: Uh, they didn't make it to Atlanta, but, um, yeah, they've made it to, to Charlotte. Um, and yeah, one of my brothers actually played. Mm-hmm. And I probably told you, but
1: he, Independence, yeah, but
4: he played for the Independence um, four years ago. I think four yeah. or five years
1: ago. Yeah. Pretty cool stuff. I, I know one of the things you said on uh, on the Mac Attack as well was uh, your proficiency and desire to go fishing. Have you found anywhere around here to uh, to catch some bass or catch some trout or, or whatever?
4: Uh, I I actually did go. Like a week and a half ago with my dad, um, it was, it wasn't Lake Norman, but it was pretty close and he caught a little large mouth, so um, but I was, I was looking at uh, places out West to go catch trout um, in, in some rivers. So maybe like a day trip, maybe like an hour and a half or two hour drive would be cool to hike around and then go fishing. So yeah, I've been looking into that.
0: I'm sure we'll have some people tweet us with recommendations of where you can go fish, Ben. Don't worry.
4: <laughs> awesome. What's the biggest one you caught? Um, I've I've actually caught a like a four and a half foot shark, a brown dusky. Whoa! When I was like 11 years old, my family used to go to um, a beach in Maryland, and we would kayak the bait out like into the middle of the ocean and then just drop it. And then we'd wait and, and turn like the little clicker on in the, like the big rod and you just hear it go and, and the line out. And, and yeah, I picked the rod up and it was like a 30 minute fight, but it was, it was super fun.
1: Is, is it harder to fight a, uh, a shark or harder to fight a center back from uh, the little revolution?
4: <laughs> That's a good question. Um, Oh man. Probably even they're different, but (laughs) those center backs are tough.
1: Well, we appreciate you taking some time, man. Uh, I know that it's been a whirlwind for you here uh, with this club, but we certainly love watching you play. We wish you the best, best of luck, continued success. And uh, let's go get three more points here this weekend against Cincinnati.
4: Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks so much for having me.
1: That's a little bit from Ben Bender, and uh, I, I swear, he's he's so fun. He's so cool, and it's so great to see him have such an immediate impact on this club.
0: Yeah, an immediate impact on the club, Will, but also an immediate impact on you. I think Ben Bender may have given <laughs> me my favorite, favorite ever reaction from you, Will.
1: Do we have it? There it is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. Nah. All I'm going to say is everybody, imagine being the individual that that look is being made to. Most people would run a mile, but I'm stuck there for another another 20 minutes. <laughs> Thank funny. you, Ben Bender, for those moments. That's
1: funny. Uh, we do want to at least point out this week uh, for Cincinnati, uh, no Christian McCoon, no Alan Franco this week because of international duties. McCoon with Venezuela and uh, Alan Franco is with Ecuador. One interesting note is that Karol Svedersky is here in Charlotte uh, training off to the side this week. We'll see whether or not he plays on Saturday. He did not play for Poland because of uh, basically that muscle strain that he uh, had in the uh, end of the last game. But I do feel like this is a week for at least with McCoon and with Franco, other players can step up. Maybe we see a different role for uh, Sergio Ruiz possibly, Anton Walks. A lot of guys at the back might get some different opportunities this week because of those two departures.
0: Look, as a player on a team, you never want to wish any wrong or bad or injury on any of your teammates. An international break is the perfect opportunity for those that are slightly down the pecking order to get the opportunity to prove their point. This is where you get a chance to play, to get 90 minutes because those players aren't present. And you get to just keep that little whisper in Miguel Angel Ramirez's ear. Hey, I'm still here. Hey, you can trust me. Uh, And it could be a brilliant moment. Someone like Anton Walks has had a really rough start to his timing with Charlotte FC, you know, an ever present starter for Atlanta United, but with that injury, got knocked down the pecking order because of some fantastic performances. He's someone that, if he gets the start, will really need to focus on proving himself.
1: And even a guy like Jordi Reyna, who was very integral for Charlotte the first couple of weeks, he's back training fully. And even someone like McKinsey Gaines, who uh, was counted on early for a lot of work. And I do feel like he had some good moments. It's, I feel like we're finding, Jess, this team's a lot deeper than they might have given credit for, at least early on.
0: Definitely, uh, a lot more depth, a lot more competition. We focused on the depth of the centre back position, but now, you know, we're seeing, particularly with some formation changes, more players in the attacking positions that have a point to prove, and potentially players that we didn't expect to be getting as many minutes. The likes of Ben Bender have taken away starting positions deservedly. You got to remember Chris Haygarth. Out on an injury you've still got other players to come back into the mix so really exciting times for charlotte fc and it's refreshing that despite not being given the international break and losing a couple of key players we're not sat here freaking out we're excited for the opportunities for the players that will still get a chance to step on the pitch
1: and it'll be an interesting matchup this week against FC Cincinnati uh, to use Jess's uh, Queen's English. Two wins on the trot for them. They uh, got themselves a pair of victories in a row over the last couple of weeks over the two Florida teams, Orlando and Miami. Tom Galerter is their TV play-by-play voice. He joins us next for a little opposition research on FC Cincinnati. <laughs> Here on Crown Corner, as we like to do every week, we like to get a little research in on the opposition, the man who's been the voice of F C Cincinnati since day one of the club. Tom Galerita joins us on Crown Corner as we welcome in F C Cincinnati for the first time as a club. And Tommy, thank you so much for the time and uh absolutely I it's been, uh, it's been a fun couple of weeks here for you guys. What's the secret behind this uh, yeah. good run of play for FC Cincinnati?
5: Yeah, winning is, is absolutely always fun, right? Cures all ailments uh, across the board for fans, supporters, front office folks, and, and certainly the players. In the last two weeks, we've seen a really strong and big team performance from this group. And I think you're seeing a team coming together that has a head coach that they're buying into his system and they had a lot of things go really poorly in the season opener at Austin right and probably saw that they're a few pieces away from being able to play a 442 which is what Pat Newton wants to get to and that's okay and rather than running that out again and maybe seeing a repeat performance the next week against DC he adjusted some things they really outplayed DC United in week 2 and then an unfortunate handball in the 94th minute on Jeff Cameron ends up being a 1-0 result as United somehow gets out with three points uh, in in that week 2 performance and you know, a draw that night probably would have felt a little bit disappointing because the team played so well and the expected goals were there. The finishing was not. And there was this common theme, right? Brandon Vasquez was getting opportunities. Well, obviously, that exploded in the game down in Orlando and then back at home this past Saturday. And, and he's been a massive spark and a guy who's been working really, really hard and been huge for the club. But, again, you have a group that's coming together. Alec can made some big saves in Orlando to keep that match uh, at 1-1 before – the game winner came and then uh, he, he had a big save when it was still two to one this past Saturday. So that's been a big part of the performance. And, and really, like I said, a team that is coming together.
0: And you mentioned Alec Khan as a former goalkeeper. Something I'm really passionate about is digging in to opposition huh. goalkeepers. Obviously, played at Atlanta United, didn't get much of a consistent uh, position no, when it never. came to playing games. How has he adjusted to now playing week in, week out for you?
5: Yeah, look, Jess, you know, when when you're in Atlanta and you're behind Brad Guzan, your chance to be the regular starter is very minimal unless he suffers a significant injury. And, you know, early on in those years with Atlanta, he obviously got a spot start here and there because um, Guzan was still called up regularly to the U.S. men's national team. So, you know, what, he had 30-some starts in in Major League Soccer before arriving at Cincinnati. He would started against FC Cincinnati, so we'd seen him. And he was always a guy who kind of, kind of lingered around a little bit like Brad Stuber, right? Uh, with what's going on in Austin and the way that he played last year that never was given that regular chance, but stuck behind a guy on the national team. And so I give him credit. Um, you know, he stepped in and you know, there's nobody who was more upset on that flight home from Austin than Alec can, right? Plain and simple. Like he was devastated. You give him five goals. That's a really poor night as a goalkeeper. But since then, He's played really, really well and obviously two wins in these last two weeks and he's been part of it. And I think that uh, I'm excited to see look, it's only four games into a thirty-four game season, but I'm excited to see what he can do as the regular guy, get a clean sheet under his belt and continue to grow that confidence with the defenders he has in front of him. I
1: hate to stick with the ex Atlanta theme, Tommy, but you know, another ex Atlanta player who's playing very yeah. well is Brandon Vasquez, you know, bracing the last yeah. two contests and you know, guy who very much like Alec can uh, stuck at the wrong position with the squad that has Joseph Martinez on it. Well, what has Vasquez been able to unlock that he wasn't uh, in previous stops?
5: Well, I think uh, confidence and then the quality in his finishing, right? Um, Brandon is all of 23 years old, right? Mm-hmm. And you sometimes forget that because he's been around for a few years now. And before that he was with Atlanta for a few years, as mm-hmm. you mentioned, stuck behind Joseph Martinez, like, as a double-edged sword, right? Because if you're behind Joseph Martinez, it means you're training with Joseph every day and you're learning from one of the greatest goal scorers the league will ever see, right, in, in Joseph Martinez. But your opportunity to step in and play is 10 minutes here and 15 minutes there and maybe a start or two a season. So Brandon never really got that opportunity in at Atlanta. He came to Cincinnati and thought, okay, great. Now here's my chance to be a regular starter in Cincinnati. And weeks later, they signed Locadia. And you're like, wait a second. I thought this was my chance to be the guy. And you just – you signed Jurgen Locadia. Great. You know, obviously he's going to be the starter. And uh, that move clearly didn't work out. Um, He is a guy who works really, really hard, who is almost always one of the first people at the facility in the morning. And he's one of the last ones off the pitch after training. Um, Since Dom Kinnear has come on, he spends time with Dom on the pitch after training for extra instruction. And now that he's playing 80, 90 minutes a game, it's gotten to the point where the physio staff is running out and pulling him and saying, <laughs> all right, enough's enough, man. Like you have to take care of your body because you're not coming on for 20 minutes or 30 minutes a game. You're going 70, 80, 90 minutes and and we need to save some of those legs. But uh, I, I mean, you have to give some of that credit to Dom, but also give that credit to Brandon for the way that he's worked. We saw some of it at the end of last year when, when Tyrone Marshall was the interim head coach. And I think, uh, you know, the staff, Chris Albright, wanted to see what can Brandon Vasquez do? Do we bring him back next year? Does it make sense? And so they started him regularly and he rewarded them with four goals. And now with some different teammates around him, he's seeing even better service and better opportunities. And, you know, he's been involved in all five goals. He has four goals and assists. So, um, you know, I think I said it this past week, everything he's touching right now turns to gold.
0: Now, we've talked a little bit about two key components of your side. From what you've seen of Charlotte FC so far, what do you think FC Cincinnati is going to be looking at and having to work against in order to try and pick up a result on Saturday?
5: Well, I think that's a that's a great question. And it's uh, look, uh, Charlotte obviously is a team that's coming together. But we've seen some uh, jump of confidence in the last two weeks, certainly. You know, it was a good performance at Atlanta and then the, the great performance at home um, to get that win against New England Revolution. A team, you know, has th- their own superstars on that side. Right. So a, a convincing win at that. You know, I, I was joking. I was like, all right, good. Charlie got that win out of their system. You know, <laughs> it's not they're not chasing that um, when, when Cincinnati is down there. But um, I think it's honestly for FC Cincinnati at this point, it's it's continuing to build upon the things that they have done. Right. That. Not worrying as much about the opponent. And, look, I'm not saying you ignore it or you don't scout your opponent. Obviously, they will do all of that. But they've been very good um, in handling pressure. They've been very good in defending the goal and coming up with big plays. And Alec obviously with some big saves in the last two games. And that's what led to these wins. And then picking those right opportunities to get the service across, to get the chances to score um, in the Orlando game, Brandon could have had three and even a fourth goal with some of the opportunities, you know, so the the opportunities have been there and they've shown good patience. And I think they really need to to focus first and foremost on, on continuing to take care of themselves.
1: And obviously, you mentioned the, the fact that they want to play a 4-4-2, at least in philosophy, but they've right. gone more with five at the back. Is that the way you feel like they'll shape up against Charlotte?
5: You know, I think so, but who knows as as the week goes along and, and the coaching staff puts a plan together and I'm sure that's what they're working on right now, right? Is trying to figure out exactly how all of those pieces uh come together for this game. But, you know, based on the personnel that has, has been available and uh, you know, the obviously the result in Austin was was shocking a bit. You know, I, I thought that Cincinnati would go in and look, I wasn't going in thinking that they were absolutely coming out with a win, but there was no question that in my mind they would go in and compete. And I thought we'd see about a two to two game. And if you looked at the expected goals, it was two to two in that game. Right. And, and yet it ended five nil. Um, so it was a bit shocking the way that it just unraveled in that matchup. And look, to play a four, four, two diamond, you have to have the right pieces in the midfield and, you know, I think the feeling right now is that maybe not all of those pieces are in the right places to, to get away with that formation. So they sit back with the extra defender with the three center backs. Uh, obviously, Ronald Matarita had a massive game. He's not available for this one because he's been caught up by the Costa Rican national team. So that's certainly a factor who starts over there. Ray Gattis has been working his way back from injury. Alvis Powell has been fantastic on the right side. Uh, so that'll be a big question, right? Uh, if they do go with, uh, you know, we've been calling a three-five-two, but five in the back, who that left wing back is going to be uh, with Ronald Materita out.
1: Obviously, uh, we've gotten a lot of the criticism thrown our way as an expansion club. Maybe mm. taking some of the heat off you guys. You know, what, what is it like to, I guess, be in the first couple of years of the infancy? Is is this just, just the way it is? I mean, I feel like uh, we get a lot of undue shade because we maybe have had the build be a little bit different than, you know, the Atlantas and the LAFCs in yep. the world, I guess. Why do I feel like we are kindred spirits in that regard? Is it just, just the uh, way of the it, world right now?
5: It's probably the way of the world in some ways, right? It's a completely fair question. I think it's the way of being an expansion team, right? Like we didn't see Austin last year, so I didn't talk to those guys a lot. So I didn't I didn't catch uh, last year if they were, were getting a lot of that, but probably some of it. And no two expansion stories are the same. Austin's is – Very, very unique in the way that that franchise, you know, Columbus was moving to Austin and that never happened. And then Austin got a team, you know, Atlanta and LAFC had long, long runways and, and, you know, Brinks trucks of cash waiting, waiting to set things up. And FC Cincinnati had the shortest runway in MLS history. And, you know, so everybody's story is a little bit different as to how they got to where they are. And then. FC Cincinnati had this uh, amazing and organic support and, and look what happened in Charlotte, but the largest crowd on the planet uh, for your home opener. And then another great crowd last week. And, you know, sometimes uh, I've learned that that'll, that'll get some shade directed at you in major league soccer when you have these great crowds and, and you're new to the dance, um, you know, and LAFC probably caught a little bit of that in their infancy, but look, like the honeymoon is, is awesome. Uh you know, in real life and in, in, in MLS expansion life, the, the honeymoon season is great. You know, we you don't catch as much flack for the results in the in that first year. But then the, the, the pressure is certainly on after that. And when you look at, you know, LAFC had some success right away. Obviously, Atlanta had a lot of success right out of the blocks. Um, you know, it's difficult. Minnesota took a little bit more time to get there. And, and obviously, that's the case with FC Cincinnati. Nobody is content or happy with how things have gone and the mistakes are understood. And those mistakes now hopefully have been corrected with a new general manager with loads of MLS experience and a head coach with loads of MLS experience. And I think we're seeing that, you know, based on the results and the buy-in from the team.
1: Well, Tommy, we appreciate the time as always. Look forward to uh, seeing your squad on the, on the pitch. And uh, thank you so much for joining us.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, my friends. And uh, we'll see you out there on Saturday. Can't wait. Have a great cool. All right. Thank you. You too.
1: Tommy Galerter joining us uh, FC Cincinnati voice. it's It's great to to see these guys and gals who are a part of our profession. It's really, really cool to kind of get uh, in touch with them. and it, it's almost kind of like a little initiation for us just because uh, we feel uh, more more and more part of the family, I would say.
0: Definitely, it's great to meet people that have been doing this for a lot longer than we have, and gives us a little bit of help in terms of our opposition research. We like to be, you know, on the ball for both sides and to be off for any sneaks into oppositions.
1: I like what he said about just kind of the weight of the world as being an expansion team, because again, FC Cincinnati has always been kind of termed as this, you know, perpetual spooners label. And I'm glad that they have have had a nice run of play. I do hope that we were able to slow them down as part of that run of play this week. But I I think, you know, these sides, especially like the, since Atlanta has joined the league type sides, like us, Minnesota, Austin, it's going to be good for the league to push, The legacy clubs, especially now with you're going to get St. Louis next year, possibly Vegas down the road, we'll probably have a situation where you have the legacy clubs versus the expansion era clubs like we see in some of these other sports.
0: Yeah, it's definitely fun, and the better that expansion size can do, the better it is for the league. And you know, FC Cincinnati is probably grateful that Charlotte FC's come in and received some of the stick off of their backs because we've taken a lot of the criticism away from FC Cincinnati, who obviously had a really tough first three seasons in the league, bottom of the league every single time. You know, what I'm saying is it could always be worse. So Charlotte FC, off to a far better start than that right now and we'll hope to continue against fc cincinnati who look an improved side but they can still leak goals they still aren't as strong defensively as they would like to be and if we can keep the forward attacking quiet i think we stand a very good chance
1: yeah that five goal uh beginning for alec can is certainly something that that rings in my mind though i feel like the way that he talked about pat noonan Uh, the first-year head coach of Epps Cincinnati, I feel like we could say a lot of the same things of Miguel Angel Ramirez. We know Miguel wants to play more of a 4-3-3, and he mentioned that they want to play a very similar type of formation that Charlotte FC used last week, a 4-4-2, yet they don't have the personnel to be able to do that with, so they're playing more with five at the back and three in the middle, two up top. It's kind of a a different scenario, and I feel like I, I like that both these coaches meld their personnel to their side and, and where their strengths are.
0: Definitely one of the my favorite sound bites from again, Ramirez is that formation is fluid, it's alive, it's not fixed. And when you have that view as a coach that it's not rigid, that means that the world is your oyster because you can select what your players are going to thrive in.
1: Supporter section time, and uh, it's our opportunity to talk with uh, probably the loudest of the supporter groups, the folks at Blue Furia. David Carrasco joins us next as we go inside the supporters section. here on crown corner it's time for our supporters spotlight and if there was a race for the one that was the most vociferous it would be our next guest's group and that is blue furia david carrasco representing the loudest of the supporter sections he joins us on crown corner what's going on david how are you pal
6: how are we will how are we jess i'm you know excited to be uh be part of all this and uh and again really excited to have conversations about these last four games it's, it's been it's been something really wonderful for the city
1: I'm excited to talk about a win what was it like being there for the first win last weekend
6: right so from my perspective unfortunately i was in uh, i had a trip uh a family trip oh. in virginia but oh. but i was able to watch the match i i got you know word from our members and how the experience was. And, and honestly, it was one of those things that it was a long time coming, right? I mean, we've, we've been waiting for this. And what I really appreciate is how consistent our team has been, regardless of the losses that we've experienced for those first three matches. It's wonderful to finally see all that hard work being paid off.
0: I think that's a great perspective to have. We had a chance on the inaugural home match to come visit you guys on the tailgate. And one thing that stands out to me, and I'm sure Will as well, was just the marches the pre-marches i mean this was in the middle of the tailgate doing loops and loops of right. the tailgating area how much fun is that to be a part of how long have you been waiting for that experience just to get to you know be loud and be proud and just show everyone what blue Fury is about
6: of course i mean it was one of those opportunities to, to showcase what we've been working at for this you know for however long we've been able to create the group and honestly people's passion and energy just kind of overtake take, took like what we were actually going to be doing i mean that uh that march that we initially had around um you know the supporters uh lot wasn't really planned it was just something that happened organically we're just like hey let's do a couple of chants people wanted to hear some of the songs that we have and all of a sudden people got started to gather together and start you know hey let's let's you know see what other members want to join us in in these chants. so they were like okay let's start doing our walk and who knows? Maybe it'll be a tradition going forward. I would love to see more pe- people just, you know, join in on that, uh, on the chats and stuff like that.
1: I got a chance to meet you guys kind of when the group was in its infancy, Blue Bluephoria, one of the newer of the supporter groups. But I feel like everything kind of got kicked up a notch when you guys came on the scene. You know, we had the, the implementation of the music, a lot of the chants mm. started coming together. What has it been like seeing, not only people flock to y'all, but also just the infusion of what you guys have brought to the supporters section as a whole.
6: Right. I mean, from the beginning, I think there was was an opportunity for representation, and that was the whole reason we wanted to start this. And um, there was opportunity to also project kind of what we've known from our other teams that we followed. And it's wonderful to finally see some of the people also connect that doesn't have that cultural background. And be, you know, wanting to learn, you know, not only the chance, but also like the way we do our tailgates, the way um, we're even, you know, in the in the match itself. Like, how do we last those 90 minutes constantly chanting and starting to learn our players, starting to really connect with, you know, even, you know, outside of the game with other people of the community and, and, and trying to, you know, try to grow organically, obviously, and, and then make the benefit of, of the club to, to see another side of soccer, which we're, we're aware.
0: And you mentioned community. What sort of community service are you guys passionate about? What areas of Charlotte and, you know, the greater Carolinas do you want to give back to and help with?
6: Yeah, of course. So, I mean, the biggest thing right now is figuring out, um, you know, in general of what the what the memberships want to uh, push initiatives towards. And I have um, introduced one of the uh, current fundraisers that are happening, which is the, um, the uh, American Lung Association. They're having a event this Saturday uh, with the it's called the Fight for Climb. And so um, I took interest in that because I actually have a, a very, very close friend of mine who actually ignited the idea of you wanting to do this in general because he has his own chapter that is for the Belgium national team in the U.S., so he's told me wonderful stories of like what it is like to have a fan base or a supporters group and, you know, the benefits about, you know, knowing your community better and, and you know, like-minded people around you. And so he's actually been going through, a, a, you know, troubling like health issues and he's gotten better from it. And so the American Lung Association um, is, you know, partnering not only with him, but other people to help you know, um, people in his situation, but also help continue research. And it's something I actually want to represent on his behalf. So it's one of the many events. And again, we want to make it more of a a personal thing. If we know somebody Mm -hmm. going through troubles like that to support, you know, members, members that are in Lufordia. So he's a a member of ours as well. So I was like, this is a great opportunity to, to, to represent not only him, but you know, as, as an organization as a whole, like i know. always
0: think people are more inclined to give or to serve when there's mm-hmm. someone that they're representing and you know where the source is going to so that's yep. brilliant and like we say will and i are always down to help in whatever way we can to raise awareness for things of like course that.
6: and I'll, I'll definitely send the links i'll let you guys know mm-hmm. again it's on the 26th it's in the i think it's called the Truist stadium i'm not really
1: sure yes. the name, but yeah yeah truest yeah, Truist, Truist field over here uh On uh, right near the ballpark, right near the uh, stadium, I should say, the ballpark near the stadium. So yeah, yeah. yeah.
6: So you know, it's kind of fitting. You know, it'll be it'll be great to represent him. Great to represent it from the from the organization and from the club. So looking forward to that one.
1: Very very excited, and like I said, we will share those from our Twitter accounts at Willie P Style and at Jess Talks Footy. And one of the things we always like to talk about with each club is is what makes each club unique obviously you mentioned representation being a deal but it's not obviously just that but but what are you looking for for folks who want to join blue furia
6: yeah um outside of just representation itself it's uh it's just having um an understanding of the cultural background that we're going to be bringing to each each you know reunion that we have in the tailgates i mean it's it's already being seen from the inaugural match to the last uh home win that we just had people are constantly coming in and trying to understand okay like You know, where is that passion coming from? Where is this energy coming from? And it's one of those just just a learning thing. And now we're connecting with the wider audience that are interested in it. So I think that's what makes us different. It's where we're bringing something that we've learned from the past, making it our own now here in Charlotte and helping others understand, you know, why is it that we're this passionate? You know, from the chants, from the music, from, you know, the way we organize things and and experience the game.
1: Well, David, we certainly love the fact that you guys have brought that representation, brought the infusion of energy, and yeah. we hope that you guys will once again continue that. I don't know how you guys stick around for 90 minutes and be as loud <laughs> as you are. We definitely can hear it on our broadcasts every week, yeah. and we certainly can't wait to hear you guys coming up on Saturday at B of A. Uh, we hope to get three more points against Cincinnati. Thank you so much for the time, and uh, save us a beer shower in the uh, in the parking lot after the game if we end up getting those three points
6: yeah we're we're expecting to, so we're excited now let's let's go see I, I
1: just I, that David Carrasco from Blue Foria I, I just love. Our supporters. I really do. Uh, take a look at this photo from Saturday. Uh, this was taken by, I believe, uh, one of the members of the Charlotte FC photo group, uh, whether it was Taylor or uh, Krista, one of those people. That's Sombrero Man with Miguel and Ramirez. And just seeing the way that this group embraces this team and the team does so the same way, it's just, it's so real great to see, Jess.
0: Definitely. It, it's an amazing part of what this club is about. But, Willie, please be careful with promising beer showers. I didn't say <laughs> that
1: is true. Uh, Matt's voice is a little bit under the weather today. So we're going to give him a break on Matt's burning questions, but we do have the questions. So Matt is the silent uh, reader here for the question. So Matt, whenever you have uh, our first one here, go ahead and add it to us.
0: All righty. Speaking of <laughs> Willie P, what is Willie P's secret for preserving his voice?
1: I, I use a very strict diet on Friday and Saturday. Um, nothing really ac- acidic, so, like, nothing with tomatoes in it, nothing with any kind of uh, spiciness or whatever. And uh, it's just a lot of throat coat tea and, and sepical, uh throat drops and uh i mean you see me at halftime a lot of times i'm, I'm popping those or, or throwing the chloroseptic spray in there just trying to do anything i can to preserve it but don't uh, try
0: it at home guys do not try yeah. this at home
1: yeah it's it's i, I won't recommend it for uh, for folks what's number two here uh mr mr hogan how long before ben bender gets called up to the u.s men's national team well he just turned 21 so i mean
0: Look, I think it's one of those things where he hasn't been on the radar um, for the youth teams yet. He's yet to make an appearance for the U.S. men's national team in the youth development. Still U23s. Uh, I think he's getting on their radar. There's no way that now that he's on the professional stage performing like he is, that he isn't getting on the radar. I'd be interested to see if he potentially gets into the U23 team next time they have a camp. And once you get into those youth teams, you have more of a chance to make your way into the first team as well.
1: And I do know that, you know, like he he did get some international attention before he went into college, but it was something where, you know, he really wanted to go to college. He wanted to be able to play it, you know, at Maryland and, and have that opportunity. And I feel like that was very special to him. So I, I think it's something where he's starting to, to turn some heads, which I feel like is a good thing. All right. Last one here that we have for us. Who steps in for McCoon and Franco? Who do you think, Jess?
0: You know, I, I think we're going to see Sergio Ruiz getting some time. You know, he's now back from baby duties, uh, obviously still being a dad at home, but he's, a, yes. he's getting some blessings to come back in and making sure he's present in practice, making sure he's getting opportunities to play. So I'm excited for him to get an opportunity. He's someone that has been on the peripherals for a while. There's been a lot of fans that have wanted him. And then as for McCoon, personally, I'd love to see Anton Wolves get an opportunity. We saw him right yeah. at the end in the victory this week, and he did a very good job, almost had a goal, le- lost his left foot, as Adam Arma liked to point out to him. Uh, choked a little <laughs> bit up in that shot, but I think he's a player that has a lot of MLS experience. We know he can perform at this level.
1: I wouldn't put it past Derek Jones getting some more run this week. I feel like just him getting more comfortable it would be a good thing for this group, and, and I do feel like there's a little bit more opportunity for, uh, for him to possibly – get involved but uh there's obviously a lot going on with in terms of a lot of these different players you mentioned walks maybe they go back to a a back three for this match and use walks that way i don't know we Haven't had a chance to see how they'll line up yet in training this week, but very much looking forward to seeing what they look like. Uh, On Saturday, Charlotte FC, FC Cincinnati. Our pregame coverage across the radio network begins at First kick is just after 5 at 5.08. So be sure you're in your seats early. Be sure you're listening to us wherever you might be, whether it's in Charlotte on WFNZ, 92.7 FM, 6.10 AM, or the WFNZ app, or wherever you might be across the radio network. For Matt Hogan, for Jess Charman, I'm Will Pelagic. Thank you so much for watching Crown Corner this week. We're here every week, 10 o'clock. If you missed any part of it, you can also check out our Crown Corner show on demand wherever you get your podcast. We'll talk to you next week, first off on Crown Corner, but also we'll talk to you on Saturday from Mac America Stadium with Charlotte FC's Radio Network.